Welcome to the red carpet. It's good to see everyone suited and booted for the occasion. Although, Jeff, I must ask you to change out of your Bam Babylon t-shirt. An amazing film. <laughs> Let's get on with the big show. Graham, I believe you are presenting the first award, and it is one of the big ones. The Gibson Award for the best Mel Gibson movie of the year. Go ahead. Gee, thanks, film. Okay. I... <laughs> uh, I must say, it's an honor to be once again presenting this award. When I told Jeff all those years ago about my love for the, this man and his acting, I never thought I would be talking about him so often to you all out there in the dark. Just thinking about him, it gives me a tightening in my trousers. I think it's time <laughs> to go to the loo again. Yes, that's mm. the bile rising in my stomach that's tightening my trousers. Okay. And what is especially exciting this year is that the At The Flicks team have seen four Mel Gibson movies during 2022. Two on a very special Mel Day, so memorable, we made a special show about it. Before I drift off into my memories, let's go to the award. The nominations for the Gibson Award for the Best Mel Gibson Movie of the Year are... Force of nature. The male is an ex-cop with health problems. Sure, that's not mental health problems. Caught up in a heist during a hurricane. The thieves, violent, stop-at-nothing thugs, have to contend with the male. As I said to Jeff at the time, watching the male struggle with his medical conditions while fighting off the bad guys had me on the edge of my seat. While I don't want to spoil the movie for listeners, the male's sad demise in this feature. I'm not saying <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> the male's sad demise in this feature was a too hanky job for me, says Jeff. <laughs> I even had tears in my eyes. That's the most obvious joke you've ever done, Jeff. <laughs> a powerhouse performance. Right. The second <laughs> nomination is Panama. The male is a tough, no-nonsense CIA agent involved <laughs> in some very dodgy politics in Panama during the late 1980s. Side note, this film is shite. All right. A, <laughs> a nostalgic, all-action, one-liner performance that took me down memory lane to some of his greatest roles of the past. I realized all over again while watching this feature why I love this man's work so much. Yeah, it certainly reminded me of something. However, as with Force of Nature, he is just not in it enough. That said, in the scenes where he does appear, he lifts the feature into the stratosphere. My advice to the director, recut this to give the male more screen time. Get rid of the silly politics. After all, the Americans were only trying to help in Panama and add more male. Next up, Father Stewart. Oh, God. Father Stewart. <laughs> wow. Just wow. The Mel plays the father of Stuart Long, a boxer turned priest. This was a heartfelt project directed by the current love of Mel's life, Rosalind Ross. 
which really does show off his incredible acting skills. <laughs> In my review last year, I think I called it Vatican propaganda, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. I said how much this film almost converted me to a religious really order. Yeah, the satanic temple. That was through the Mel's powerful performance. The Mel plays a man almost broken by life who hides it behind a bitter sarcasm. Not bitter enough, if you ask me. That is until his real character is revealed later in the film. Never mind about our award. The Mel should be Oscar nominated for his role here. But the powers that be in Hollywood will never allow that to happen, thank God. Sad, just more Hollywood fake news. And finally, Last Looks, a Hollywood detective story which also goes by the title Waldo. Charlie Hunnam is the rather strange private eye investigating a murder, one in which the male is a main suspect. The male plays a drunk English actor called Alistair Pinch, who has found fame on a TV series. His hilarious performance is sort of a cross between Peter O'Toole and Stuart. <laughs> Although he can act both of those off the screen in his dreams. He is a dream in a film which sadly fails to live up to the outlandish characters it introduced. And the winner is... Father Stew! <laughs> Who'd have thought it? Not surprising, giving the praise the whole of the At The Flicks team <laughs> on this future I raged where... against this film. I hated it so much. We all much. did. It was... <laughs> I didn't. I know, yeah, but that's right. just you, Jeff. The Mel's <laughs> performance is one for the ages, yeah, the middle ages. And in years to come, him being overlooked at the Oscars will be seen as as silly as film like Psycho and Singing in the Rain never receiving any Oscar nominations. Ooh, bit of a dig there, Jeff. I am quite frankly overcome and will have to sit down now as I hand over to Neil for the next award before I throw up. Well, thanks, Graham. You, you look as flushed as your career in podcasting. Thank Moving you, on Neil. quickly to the next award. The Star Wars Award for the most pointless sequel. What a strong this week. And thankfully, there are still no Star Wars films on the horizon. I guess after the pointless Obi-Wan Kenobi, they have run out of ideas. Anyway, the nominations for the Star Wars Award for the most pointless sequel are Jackass Forever. The only way we will watch another one is if a stunt goes badly wrong, turning one of those idiots into soup. <laughs> Disenchanted. The title sums it up. A great original, and 15 years later... We get a sequel so bad you're not allowed to watch it with sharp objects nearby. Jurassic World Dominion. The only thing fossilised about this sequel are the actors they've dug up. If they had put oh. as much effort... I'm not so sure we can say that after we've just done the obituaries, Colin. <laughs> but never mind. <laughs> if they'd put in as much effort into the dinosaur plot, this might actually have been good. Halloween ends. At least the title gives us hope. As for the rest of it, John Carpenter must be spinning in his grave. He isn't dead. <laughs> well, he looks it. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
May I say that? Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Christ, what a disaster this trilogy has been. Each film worse than the last. Even their attempt at introducing gay characters falls flat. What next? A trans Harry Potter? Oh, Jesus. We're so much, oh, we're so much trouble here. Oh, you don't, we're getting get, get destroyed. And, and the winner is... Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Just be thankful that the proposed five-film series is going to end with this one. What can you say about a series which has managed to have both Johnny Depp and Ezra Miller in leading roles? Overall, the performance has been generally awful, especially Eddie Redmayne, and the plot's fairly pointless. Never mind, Warner Brothers, time to move ahead with your Harry Potter remake instead. Here, Arnie Hammer is willing to take on the role of Dumbledore in that one. Oh, and if you're a fan disappointed by the cancellation of this series, seek medical advice. Jeff, over to you for the Braveheart Award for the most annoying rewriting of history. Jeff takes up a fight with the richest woman in England. Nice one, Jeff. Yes. She can afford expensive lawyers. Yeah, yeah, but I side with her on trans. Um, Thanks, Neil. Although I suspect I already know what's going to win this award next year. The Braveheart Award for the most annoying rewriting of history. And the nominations are See How They Run. I'm not sure what was the most far-fetched. The murder plot built around the play The Mousetrap or Sam Rockwell's British accent. (laughs) The Woman King, making real-life villains heroes. What's next? Hitler, The Wonder Years? The Duke. It was boring as hell. And where was the bath scene between the Duke of York and Virginia Griffey? (laughs) Operation Mincemeat. You have this incredible true story and you have to add to it a fictitious lovey's romance that's all boredom and no rumpy pumpy. (laughs) RRR. The film that proves giving up colonial rule in oh, India was a mistake. Oh, you're joking. <laughs> you cannot you're say that. You cannot say that, Jeff. What, yeah? were you, what were you on when you were writing this? I say that to ensure that everybody knows you wrote this <laughs> and all the other bits. No, I didn't say that at all. I don't think you understood what was said. This was locker room talk. <laughs> it's like... You know, I'd, this, I'd like the this, jury to disregard the next remarks. <laughs> this is like being that Oscar in that Oscars in 1972 when you expect Brando to come up and some Indian wanders on the stage oh, to God, take yeah. the award <laughs> off you. And we now move on. And the winner is... See how they run. Spoiler alert here, if you even care. A slur on the memory of Terence O'Neill, who was the man whose true story inspired the play The Mousetrap. He actually didn't see the play until 2010, and his words after seeing it were, it was a fantastic play, I was quite choked. Choked is what should have happened to the scriptwriter in this travesty. Where to start? An embarrassed-looking Sam Rockwell delivering one of the most phony British accents since Dick Van Dyke. A 50s London that was barely populated. I mean, I know there'd been a war a few years earlier, but there were some survivors. (laughs) Agatha Christie depicted as a loopy recluse with murderous tendencies and that old favourite of mine, an historical film with multiracial cast where colours not mentioned. Oh, and that guy playing Richard Attenborough was shit. Over to you, Phil, for the next award. 
Well, obviously, I disagree with Jeff on that one, as with all films. Mm. <laughs> right. Right. You, you wait till you, what, the winner of that next year. I can yeah, see it now. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. Right, okay. The next award is the Hobbit Trilogy Award for the most gratuitous cash-in. The nominations are Morbius, a vampire movie that managed to suck the will to live out of me and where Jared Leto is acted off the screen by a former Doctor Who. Yep. Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Fantastic is not a word I would associate with this. Firestarter, a remake so bad that, and I kid you not, the paedophile villain actually walks off with the child hero at the end of the movie. But we are not going to bully like the Razzies. Boo. No, I thought she was good. She was actually one of the best things in the film. Yeah, she was. Anything with Bruce Willis in, the people who forced the ill Bruce Willis to make these movies should be made to watch them on a loop forever. And Avatar, The Way of Water. Avatar was 13 years ago. Why bother now? It will never be a hit, James. <laughs> <laughs> As he is passes it, is, two billion it, at the box office. Yeah, it's it, it's the sixth highest grossing movie of all time, and James Cameron has three of the six films that are the highest grossing of all time. And the winner is anything with Bruce Willis in. Thank you. So let's be clear here, we are not having a go at Bruce, who we know is very ill. Someone somewhere has been exploiting him for years to turn up in a couple of scenes for a nondescript movie. These films are rubbish, trust us. We sat through a number of them last year. We would like our memory of Bruce Willis to be diehard, not cosmic sin. The sin being that it was made in the first place. Right, over to Darren for the Heaven's Gate Award. Uh, thank you, Phil, I think. This award apparently is for the Heaven's Gate Award for the most embarrassing failure, uh, unlike Jeff's script for this show this week. I, say I strongly disagree with this uh, decision. <laughs> the nominations, <laughs> right, the nominations are Moonfall, uh, the Lawrence Fox film of the year where the conspiracy theorist wins. For the rest of us, be grateful. <laughs> it's utter failure means the other two films of the planned trilogy will not be made. I've got to say, I quite like Moonfall. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, Beast. Idris Elba <laughs> fights a lion. No wonder the lion is pissed off. It was the only one who got the script in advance. I've got to say, I like Beast as well. I thought, you know, it was a bit ropey around the CGI of the, of the lion. But, you know, it was a decent <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Scrooge A Christmas Carol Song composer Leslie Brickus Is the winner here He died before Netflix inflicted it upon us Carrying on the lovely spiritualness That we've after reading all the obituaries Yeah, that's uh, great, Jeff Get me to read that out Scrooge having a dog as a best friend Just one of the many travesties In this new version Okay Uh Pause now for Darren to say he really liked it. So I I can't say. Possibly could like it next Christmas and we'll see. (laughs) Morbius, a film so bad it got an internet meme following it about how bad it was. Only for Gerard Leto, yes, him again, to ruin it all by joining in on the joke. And The Northman. I'm told this was a great film. Uh, this is actually me that wrote this bit. To be honest, I couldn't tell what was going on half the time due to the failure or to like this film properly. 
And the winner is... Moonfall. Thank you. Or, as Jeff says, bad moon falling. Roland Emmerich, who started so well with Stargate and Independence Day, <laughs> is now responsible for Independence Day resurgence. I'll agree with Jeff on that one. That one was shit. The only time I've ever almost walked out of the movie like that one. Even the flat earthers must be saying that is a conspiracy theory too far. The moon is revealed to be a Dyson sphere. Look, I know he left Britain after Brexit, but would he go this far to cover up the other nutcase theory? Uh, I've no idea what that means, I've got to admit. Only Donald Sutherland emerges <laughs> with any sort of credit as he disappears from our screen shortly after reading two lines of the script. Uh, that's Jeff's opinion. Me, personally, I actually had a lot of fun with this movie, especially because it embraces its sheer bonkers story and pushes it so pa far past any semblance of logic or scientific reality that I knew for a fact it would drive logic sticklers like Jeff absolutely crazy, and it did. And it's a real shame <laughs> that the box office failure of this film means that we will never get to see the two planned sequels. And meaning we will be forever robbed of possibly the most batshit crazy fun trilogy in cinema history. Ooh, yeah. Um, I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. Anyway, while I try to forget all that nonsense, I will hand over to Jeff for the next award. Thanks, Darren, for completely missing the point of what I was trying to do there. But don't worry about it. Let's continue. Uh, I am honoured to be presenting the Steven Seagal Award for the actor you don't want to see next year. I still know a thing or two. The nominations are Bruce Willis. Five more. Yes, five more of these turgid, stitched-together entertainments in the loosest possible sense to come. Jared Leto, again. You made Morbius. Why didn't you take us up on our offer last year to pay for your acting lessons? Sam Worthington, even his avatar is boring. The Rock, what's the point if he's going to continue to insist he never loses a fight? Mark Wahlberg, infinite, uncharted, and Father Stew. Why, Mark? Why? And the winner is... Jared Leto. Just one more Jared, and it's a lifetime ban. Uh, to my fellow nominees, uh, I'm so proud to share this journey with you. I'm in awe and I have so much respect for you all. We will never be able to mention your name on the podcast again. And the omens are not good as you're down to play something called the Hatbox Ghost in the new Haunted Mansion movie. Hardly Hamlet, is it? Neil, rescue me from this. I'll try, Jeff. Maybe... Next year, have fewer awards. The next <laughs> award is the Boris Johnson Award for the Family Film of the Year. The nominations are Belfast, his Northern Ireland Brexit deal paves the way for this family to come back for more woes in Belfast 2. Oh, the Bad Guys, to be remade with Johnson as Wolf, Cruella Braverman as Tarantula, and Mark Francois as his lookalike, the guinea pig and Professor Marmalade. <laughs> Light year, I can see how this appeals, constantly coming back in some sort of time loop, doomed to repeat the same mistakes forever. Party time, anyone? <laughs> Mission largely accomplished. Strange world. Compared to ten years ago, it certainly is. Although Braverman has plans to remove the disabled dog and the gay characters, they will be taking an early shower. And the winner is... 
the bad guys. Yep, I see Johnson as Wolf. Smooth talking and easily conned by those pesky Russians, I mean guinea pigs. Then it takes a really far-fetched turn by having the criminals decide to change their way and be good guys. The movie, like Johnson's attempts at government, runs out of steam well before the end. I say thank you for the trust you have placed in us and in me. Over to Graham for the final award of the evening, certainly one that won't be edited out. Cheers, Neil. This is a new award in honour of our most devoted listener last year. This is the Frank Die Hard 2 Award for the most unbelievable plot developments. The nominations are, don't look up. Yeah, news channels are famous for not reporting bad news. Moonfall, a gravity-defying, oxygen-sucking moon. Frank takes back all he said about Die Hard 2. Operation Mincemeat. What do you mean this crazy plot is true? Violet Knight. Look at the design of that sleigh. No way those reindeers would pull it at those speeds. The drag to lift coefficient is just impossible. I'm afraid you have made the naughty list. Licorice Pizza. And I love this one, by the way. Licorice Pizza. No way rock goddess Alana Hyam would fall for a tubby ginger. <laughs> That's Darren's, is that all right? Yes, Darren's. And the winner is... Moonfall! Thank you. Where to start? In reality, the moon is moving away from us. Then there is the use of Endeavour. It's decommissioned since 2011. It's not like it gets a tune-up each week in case it's needed again. Enough of this nonsense, Roland. Get back to making serious science fiction films like Independence Day or The Day After Tomorrow. Both of those got the frank seal of approval. Over to Jeff. For the awards, we can't transmit without a ton of lawsuits flying our way. Thanks for that, Jeff. At least three laws broken with those awards. So sorry, listener, you'll never hear them, especially you, listener, Frank, as you certainly will see. So thank God that's over. <laughs> I mean, it's over, right? There's not, there's not more, right? I mean... Okay, let's get positive and inclusive. What are you looking forward to in 2023? What are your top five must-see movies? Over to Jeff to start. Remember, Jeff, this is a section of the show is meant to be positive. Okay, thanks for that reminder, Neil. Well, these are my five, and I'm getting them in first because I imagine a few of these are going to repeat. Not this first one, though. The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry. It's released on the 28th of April. It's a strange and uplifting British tale starring Jim Broadbent. One day, retired Harold Fry received a letter from a woman he knew years ago and who's now dying. Rather than post the letter back, Harold starts walking the many miles to meet his former friend, thinking back on his life as he walks. And the reason I selected this, it's based on a book by a local Stroud author and actually was filmed nearby, part of it in uh, Minchinhampton Common last year. And I think this could be the British equivalent of Forrest Gump. I can't wait to see how this turns out. No, I wasn't on set. And no, my right leg is not in this one. <laughs> the Flash, released June 16th. Now, this is on my anticipated list last year. And what a year it's been for this movie. 
Ezra Miller in all sorts of trouble, changes at Warner's, and the inevitable delay. Michael Keaton was supposed to take over as Batman after this film, but Batgirl was cancelled, and it's uncertain if it's Affleck or Keaton in Aquaman 2 at the end of this year. With James Gunn now heading up a new direction for DC, I think it's best to consider this a standalone movie. I just hope it goes out in a blaze of glory. I've waited long enough. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, released July the 14th. Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie have essentially made these the James Bond films for our generation. Stunning stunts and clever plots. This and next year's Part 2 are, we are led to believe, the conclusion to the Mission Impossible story. I'm sure it'll be as spectacular as the very impressive Fallout. Okay, sit down, lads, and be prepared to be shocked. Oppenheimer, released 21st of July. I think, and you know me, I'm an honest broker, it's time to forgive Christopher Nolan for Tenant. To make a story about the man who made the atomic bomb and release it with an all-star cast in the middle of a summer takes some balls. Robert Oppenheimer's story is a fascinating one. I will be interested if they take the tale into the Cold War when he fell out of favour with the right wing in America. I am very excited about this one. And finally, and another shock for you guys, Denny Villeneuve film, Dune Part 2, released November 3rd. He did a great job with Dune Part 1, and I can't wait to see how the conclusion to the first novel turns out. Austin Butler and Florence Pugh have joined the cast, and it sounds as though it could be even better than the first film. And it has Fenrig in it. No other version of the story has brought this mercurial character in. Yep, excited. So, and this is an idea from Darren, which I quite like. What happened to my five films of last year? Well, we've already mentioned one, The Flash. As for the other four, Operation Mincemeat, it was okay. As we said in our awards, the sort of faked on romance spoiled it a little. But Elvis and Bullet Train were two of my films of the year. They both turned out, and I think Bullet Train is a big cult film of the future. And Don't Worry Darling was crap. Right, okay. (laughs) Neil. For me, John Wick 4. I'm heavily invested in the series. I'm very keen to see the final chapter. Fingers crossed for that one. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, another sequel. The original was brilliant. More of the same, please. Like Jeff, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, part one. Yet another sequel. Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie. Six good films so far. I'm betting this one makes it seven. Barbie, just to irritate Jeff, if I'm honest, I think this will be great fun, directed by Greta Gerwig and written by her and Noel Baumbach and Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. What more could anyone ask for? Yeah. And the fifth one, Killers of the Flower Moon, Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio, and apparently a star turn by newcomer Lily Gladstone, a newly formed FBI investigate a series of murders of the Native American Osage people in Oklahoma. Last year, the Batman looked forward to it and they nailed it. Don't worry, darling. I think we'll ignore that. Blazing Saddle. Oh, well, just ignore me, please. And two of them, Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, moved forward to this year. And Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, ditto. Darren. Okay, so I will get my Marvel one out of the way first. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I am really looking forward to. It's James Gunn's final movie for Marvel, and he's finishing off his uh, what I think could be the best trilogy that Marvel's had in their series. And this could be a heartbreak. James Gunn said a few times that there could be a few tears in, in this one. I have a feeling, but while I don't think it's going to be a Blake Seven-style massacre, 
I think there's quite a few characters in this one who are not going to be seen again. And I think this one could be really emotional and I can't wait. Next up, Cocaine Bear. It's about a big grizzly bear that gets high on cocaine and goes on a rampage. <laughs> I don't know who's directing it. I don't know who's in it. Well, well let me tell you who's in it, because you just spoke about him earlier, Ray Liotta. Ah. Is he the bear's dealer? I, well, right, no, okay. He finds a rucksack full of cocaine, ransacks it, takes it and just eats what's in inside it. It happens to be a kilo of cocaine or something. And oh, it goes God. nuts. In, in any case, just that premise alone means that I'm going to see this because it sounds bonkers. Ne- next up, I am going to um, agree with Neil, Barbie. I am absolutely intrigued by this. Uh, when I first heard about it, I thought it was just going to be like a nostalgia-based cash-in. But you've got Margot Robbie in it and you've got Ryan Gosling. But the thing that really intrigues me is that Greta Gerwig is writing and directing. And that leads me to think there's going to be something really interesting in this. I'm hoping that it's going to have something like really satirical, really subversive. And uh, I, I am intrigued by this. Of all the films this year, I've, I'm really on board with this one. Another film which I have a feeling we probably won't, we might not get to see right till the very end of the year is The Killer by David Fincher. This is one he's done, uh, his second film he's done for Net, Netflix. It stars Michael Fassbender and Tilda Swinton. And it's about uh, an assassin who is one of the best in the world, but starts to gain a conscience and he basically starts to basically feel guilty about all his past It's not a remake of the John Woo film, is it? I don't think it is. I sort of looked into this and I can't see any reference that it is. It sounds sort of similar, but Mm. um, I I don't think it's a a, a John Woo remake, no. I do like David Fincher. I wasn't that keen on Mank, I've got to admit. But um, yeah, this one, uh, this is my kind of like my sleeper one for this year. And the top one that I'm looking for, and no surprise here, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. These films have really found their their groove. For my mind, the best action uh, movies around. Absolutely wonderful. They've also got probably the very last movie star in Tom Cruise that we've got. The, the guy's nuts. I mean, you see the stunts that he does, the things that he goes to entertain us. I, I do think that they rely on the old mask gag quite a bit. And I do wish that they'd have sort of had a bit more variety in the team. In from the original TV shows, they always brought up a team at the start of old people. You, some of them you've not seen before had their own speciality instead of the same guys at time and again. But these films are so much fun. Um, they've got this wonderful style about them. And yeah, I am so looking forward to this one. As for the films that I picked um, last year, and I think I've done all right, actually. I picked Nope the Jordan Peele one, which we, and this was one we knew very little about it apart from a really sort of ambiguous poster. I really enjoyed Nope. Um, it was, I think it's one of those films that's really fun to discuss afterwards. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, uh, I picked that one and I, it lived up to everything I wanted it to be, one of my favourite films of the year. Phantom of the Open, the Mark R- R- Rylance one as Maurice Flickcroft. Um yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed this one. You know, just a, a nice little sort of you know uh, comedy one. I was I was very happy with this one. The unbearable weight of massive talent starring uh, Nicolas Cage. It wasn't as crazy and wild as what I uh, was hoping it was going to be. But as uh, comedies go, I think it felt fresh 
And uh, yeah, again, I really enjoyed this one. And the other one that I picked way back, even though it didn't come out in this country until uh, this year, Babylon, uh, which I saw for the first time today. And I am in the minority, I have to say, because I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really fun movie, uh, really wild in places, some really good humour. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And shut up, Jeff, I can hear you seething over there. (laughs) It is a brilliant film, isn't it, Jeff? It's shit. <laughs> right, so Dar- Dar- Darren and I disagree with Jeff. Shock. Yes. Shock for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. And listeners, while you may be spared in our review show, we're not reviewing it. Trust me, mention of it will be made. Phil, your list. Okay, so there are some repeats here. So my top number one film is Killers of the Flower Moon. So Neil has already mentioned this one. So it's based on a non-fiction novel by David Gran, recounting a true story of a series of murders in the Osage Nation in the 20s. It's co-written and directed by Martin Scorsese. It's his uh, sixth collaboration with Leonardo DiCaprio, 10th with Robert De Niro, and it will be the first time the three of them have worked together on a feature film. They have done an advert for a casino in Vegas, I believe. Anyone who read my Martin Scorsese article in my, on my blog this year will know I'm a huge fan of his work. This was due for release in 2022. Hopefully it's out this year. I'm assuming it won't be on our cinema screens unless Apple decide to do something interesting with its release. But I suspect it will just be a, a, a streaming film. Number two... And I wonder, I'm wondering if Graham's going to make this a clean sweep because we've all mentioned this, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. So they are now the seminal action flick of our time. Uh, Tom Cruise is the greatest action movie star currently working, possibly ever. Christopher McQuarrie is a f- phenomenal action director. Anyone who's seen the footage online already knows that the film's going to feature some of the biggest stunts ever put on screen. It's going to bring back its huge ensemble cast, lots of characters from the previous films. And after the massive success of Top Gun Maverick, who's going to bet against Tom Cruise doing it again this summer? Jeff. No, no, I think I can. <laughs> okay, so number three is uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And Neil mentioned this one as well. So in 2018, I said that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was my favourite film of the year. This sequel has had one trailer, possibly two, that have come out. It suggests that there's no lack of imagination on show here. It looks like it's going to be as great as the original. It's currently scheduled for June. I love Wes Anderson. I think we all know that. Asteroid City is due to come out this year, hopefully in June. Uh, There's very little known about it. It suggests that it's going to be about world-changing events at a junior stargazer event. So I'm thinking Moonrise Kingdom, but like with uh, uh, Space Scouts or something. Or Moonfall. Yeah, so, well, let's not go that far. Um, So, and the cast includes, and this is ridiculous, so he's got Margot Robbie, Tom Hanks, Edward Norton, Scarlett Johansson, Steve Carroll, Maya Hawke, Brian Cranston, Adrian Brody, Willem Dafoe, Tilda Swinton, Jason Schwartzman. I've not even mentioned them all. 
they can't all be wrong, Jeff. He's clearly brilliant. Um, Hang on. He was great up until Grand Budapest Hotel, which is masterpiece. And I think he had a lobotomy after that. <laughs> and anyone who does want to read about me waxing lyrical, um, uh, I've also done an article on him. And I believe we've done a podcast on him as well. We have we? done a podcast on so him. So there's, yeah. there's, you can listen to me and read about me uh, telling you how great Wes Anderson is. And I think I'm the third person to say this one, and it's not just because I want to wind up Jeff, but that is high in there. Yeah. Barbie. Right. So, so if you told me 30 years ago that I would be highly anticipating the, the new Barbie movie, I would tell you that you were, that I, you were a liar. But I think this looks amazing. Darren has mentioned it. Neil's mentioned it. The idea that Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach are doing the script suggests that there's going to be something clever in here. The p- filmmaking power couple have been responsible for Lady Bird, another Jeff favourite. <laughs> Little Women, I think Jeff liked that one as well. No, I have not seen that. I have not seen okay. that version. Uh, and Marriage Story I've in not recent seen that years. Either. Uh, so, you know, it's got Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling, one of the greatest actors of his generation, AJ. Yeah, that's right. Playing a plastic doll. Fantastic casting. Um, <laughs> and, and the trailer that mimics 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. It's just brilliant. I'm totally sold on this one. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and going back to what I picked last year, thanks for labelling the scripts well, Jeff, because it made it easier for me to find these. <laughs> <laughs> Top Gun Maverick, I selected that one. I think I selected that two years in a row. I ranked it as my second favourite film of the year, and it's currently the 12th biggest grossing film of all time. So it seems like a few people liked it. Yeah, and you were the only person to pick this, which went on to become the At The Flicks film of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I picked that. I think I picked it two years in a row. And I remember a couple of years ago when I picked it, you mocked me, Jeff, and I, I said, did, that, "And I was wrong." Uh, I stand. I, I, the thing is, yeah, though, mocking when, you. Yeah, when I'm wrong, <laughs> I admit it. You know, when yeah, no. If a film's good, I will say it's good. If it's okay. crap, I will say it's crap. <laughs> but yeah, I loved. I loved Top Gun Maverick. It was great. So I picked the Batman. I ranked that my third favorite film of the year, and I and I picked the Northman, which <laughs> crap. I ranked my. <laughs> which I ranked my fourth favourite film of the year. So for me, I mean, I picked my second, third and fourth favourite films of the year last year, so that was good. But I also picked Killers of the Flower Moon and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which I both just mentioned because they didn't come out last year. And they are, again, uh, on my that most look forward to this year. Excellent. And finally, Graham. And I get to just <laughs> clear up because... I think everybody's mentioned everything. I, I'm looking forward to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I loved the first one. And I think it was your son who came up with this theory. We The first one was Into, and then we have Across, and what will be next? Out of? Yeah, that say. was Ridley's idea. I yeah. hope he's right. That's, I think it's a great idea. Uh, Oppenheimer, yeah. Uh, Christopher Nolan, uh, master director, directed the fantastic Tenant. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> looking for, I'm also looking forward to Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Duh. This is a, a small indie film featuring some unknowns with a tiny budget. I hope it does well. Asteroid City, Wes Anderson. 
I don't really have to say anything, as I'm sure Phil has given this loads of detail. <laughs> um, and Dune uh, Part 2, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Denny Villeneuve, I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. And what did I pick last year? The Batman, Way, number two on my top film of the year. 13 Lives, didn't get to see this at the cinema but watched it alone on streaming as my wife, who suffers from claustrophobia, disappeared after the first 10 minutes. Uh, it was a great film, directed by Ron Howard, stars Colin Farrell, that man again, and Viggo Morgenstern and Joel Egerton. Yeah, uh, The Duke, yeah, I was hoping for something silly and very British. Didn't really get it. And then, like everybody else, I had Killers of the Flower Moon. Come on, Martin, what are you doing? Uh, hopefully we'll see it this year and uh, don't worry darling I also picked uh, the only thing I can say about this film is that Florence Pugh is still lovely so there you go gents thank you everyone for those excellent choices next month having listened to what our listeners have been saying to us there will be some changes to the review formats from next month we are still working out the fine details and we'll update you shortly anyway okay gentlemen I can safely announce that's a wrap and another At The Flicks is in the can. I look forward to all the listener comments on our revamped and upcoming review show. Until then, thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs>